This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody. It's not human intelligence. If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Tuesday, February 5th. This is episode 237. My name is Dan Ellison. I'm flying solo this evening. We're going to be covering the State of the Union address. Ryan is out doing some exciting things. Matt had his hands full with family stuff and the weather's not great. So um, I'm doing this on my lonesome. I'm going to listen to Trump for however long that shithead decides to speak. And then I will also be covering Stacey Abrams' Democratic response. So sit back, relax, grab a drink. I'm going to be drinking heavily because I have to listen to Trump for this long all by myself. So you're fucking welcome, people. I'll be providing some color commentary while we're listening to the orange Cheeto, the the ferret-wearing shit gibbon, and, and that uh, hopefully should be fun. Basically, you're going to get a look into my head or what I do and what I say and think basically while I'm watching the news all day or while I'm watching things like the State of the Union. It's just going to be me listening and responding doing the same thing I do when I'm yelling at the television by myself when I'm watching these types of things. So uh, that should be fun for me. Hopefully hopefully you all enjoy it as well. Uh, we did have Nick Fish scheduled to come on the show tonight, but uh, he contacted me before the show and he's like, hey, do you still want to do this because of the State of the Union tonight? And I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. But no, uh, he he really wanted to watch the State of the Union. I really wanted to watch the State of the Union. So Next week, he'll be traveling back from Arizona, a trip there that we'll be talking about with him uh, when he's on the show in a couple weeks, and the upcoming American Atheist Convention. Next week, we will have Tiffany Hudson, president of Atheist of Utah, in studio with us. That should be a whole lot of fun. Tiffany's a lot of fun. And lastly, I will be speaking at the Atheists of Utah monthly speaker event on Sunday, this coming Sunday. Hopefully, I... We'll see some of you there and get to get to chat with you a bit. Anyway, without any further ado, let's get into Trump's speech. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Thank you very much, Madam Speaker. Mr. Vice President, members of Congress, the First Lady of the United States. He's already started sniffing. There's going to be a lot of applause breaks, I'm sure. That's how things, things go. One side of the aisle stands up, the other remains seated. And my fellow Americans, we meet tonight at a moment of unlimited potential. As we begin a new Congress, I stand here ready to work with you to achieve historic breakthroughs for all 
Americans. Uh-huh. Millions of our fellow citizens are watching us now gathered in this great chamber, hoping that we will govern not as two parties, but as one nation. Oh, yay. He left the under God part out. That's exciting. Happy to hear that. Maybe they just were too excited to start applauding that he didn't have time to get it out. The agenda I will lay out this evening is not a Republican agenda or a Democrat agenda. It's the agenda of the American people. Many of us have campaigned on the same core promises to defend American jobs and demand fair trade for American workers, to rebuild and revitalize our nation's infrastructure, to reduce the price of health care and prescription drugs, to create an immigration system that is safe, lawful, modern, and secure, and to pursue a foreign policy that puts America's interest first. America first, that's how we gotta go. There is a new opportunity in American politics if only we have the courage together to seize it. Yeah, because if you don't hate immigrants enough, then you're clearly not brave. Victory is not winning for our party. Victory is winning for our country. Well, it'd be great if you started doing that instead of serving Putin and sucking his dick. This year, America will recognize two important anniversaries that show us the majesty of America's mission and the power of American pride. In June, we mark 75 years since the start of what General Dwight D. Eisenhower called the Great Crusade, the Allied liberation of Europe in World War II. On D-Day, June 6, 1944, 15,000 young American men jumped from the sky and 60,000 more stormed in from the sea to save our civilization from tyranny. Here with us tonight are three of those incredible heroes. Private First Class, Joseph Riley, Staff Sergeant Irving Locker, and Sergeant Herman Zaitchek.
lots and lots of applause breaks. Boy, if we could cut those out, I'm sure the State of the Union would be a fuck ton shorter. Gentlemen, we salute you. In 2019, we also celebrate 50 years since brave young pilots flew a quarter of a million miles through space to plant the American flag on the face of the moon. Half a century later, we are joined by one of the Apollo 11 astronauts who planted that flag, Buzz Aldrin. Thank you, Buzz. This year, American astronauts will go back to space on American rockets. American rockets. In the 20th century, America saved freedom, transformed science, redefined the middle class, and when you get down to it, there's nothing anywhere in the world that can compete with America. Based on what? And what the fuck are you talking about? Give us, give us something real and tangible to, to take away from that. What are you talking about? What are you referring to? Are you talking about edu- education levels, poverty levels? What are you talking about? Now we must step boldly and bravely into the next chapter of this great American adventure. And we must create a new standard of living for the 21st century. An amazing quality of life for all of our citizens is within reach. We can make our community safer, our family stronger, our culture richer, our faith deeper, and our middle class bigger and more prosperous than ever before. Yeah, we can, but not following any of the fucking policies from your par- from your party. How are we going to make our culture richer when we don't accept other people from other cultures? But we must reject the politics of revenge, resistance, and retribution, and embrace the boundless potential of cooperation, compromise, and the common good. Yeah, he had to throw the resistance in there because of all of the resist activism because of him. It's not a bad thing to resist bad policies. That's a good thing. More people should do it. We can break decades of political stalemate. We can bridge old divisions, heal old wounds, build new coalitions, forge new solutions, and unlock the extraordinary promise of America's future. 
The decision is ours to make. We must choose between greatness or gridlock, <laughs> results or resistance. The, the fucking gestures that he's making every now and then are like, you can almost imagine that he reads it on the teleprompter like, spread arms wide. Because he looks really fucking goofy while he's doing it. And Mike Pence, I'm convinced there's something really fucking wrong with this guy. He's just sitting there staring at the back of the president's head. Silent. I mean, he's just, there. he's really fucking creepy. There's something super fucking creepy about Mike Pence. Vision or vengeance, incredible progress or pointless destruction. It's almost like Mike Pence is just sitting there thinking to himself, I think I might have your job soon. I might have your job very, very soon. Very, very soon. Tonight, I ask you to choose greatness. Over the last two years, my administration has moved with urgency and historic speed to confront problems neglected by leaders of both parties over many decades. Oh, yeah. Historic speed. So fucking speedy to do really fucking awful things. In just over two years since the election, we have launched an unprecedented economic boom, a boom that has rarely been seen before. There's been nothing. If it's unprecedented, that would mean that it's never been seen before. Not just rarely, but fucking never. You fucking moron. Like it. We have created 5.3 million new jobs. And importantly, added 600,000 new manufacturing jobs, something which almost everyone said was impossible to do. But the fact is, we are just getting started. Wages are rising at the fastest pace in decades and growing for blue-collar workers who I promise to fight for. They're growing faster than anyone else thought possible. Nearly five million Americans have been lifted off food stamps. They've, they've been lifted off food stamps? They were, they were all sitting, standing on food stamps? The U.S. economy is growing almost twice as fast today as when I took office. And we are considered far and away the hottest economy anywhere in the world. Not even close. I doubt that very much. Has reached the lowest rate in over half a century. African-American, Hispanic-American, 
and Asian American unemployment have all reached their lowest levels ever recorded. Yay, that is good. Unemployment for Americans with disabilities has also reached an all-time low. More people are working now than at any time in the history of our country. 157 million people at work. Okay, our population gets larger every year. I don't know that that's a great statistic. We passed a massive tax cut for working families and doubled the child tax credit. Yeah, the doubling the child tax credit is great for people with kids. For other people like myself who doesn't have any dependents at home still, I don't get any of that. So my taxes went up this year a lot. We virtually ended the estate tax, or death tax, as it is often called, on small businesses, for ranches, and also for family farms. And the de- calling it a death tax is fucking... That, that shit bothers me a lot, because it's not a death tax. You're taxing income that people are getting for not really contributing to that, to, to build up that pool of money in the first place. Sure. If it's a family farm, they probably worked on the family farm and contributed there, but it's not as if they weren't fucking getting paid while they're doing it. Right. They're working on the family farm. They're getting a salary. They're, they're earning their money that way. The people who own the farm then can just give it to people for free without, without any tax at all. Well, that, you know, how lucky for them that doesn't benefit anybody else, but them. We eliminated the very unpopular Obamacare individual mandate penalty. Yeah, great. So everybody has to pay more now. Awesome. Way to go. And to give critically ill patients access to life-saving cures, we passed, very importantly, right to try. My administration has cut more regulations in a short period of time than any other administration during its entire tenure. Yeah, and they're all really terrible. We don't want you cutting things. We don't want you gutting the FDA and the EPA. Those regulations are in place to protect people. coming back to our country in large numbers thanks to our historic reductions in taxes and regulations. Yeah, now they can come here and fucking pollute with impunity. We have unleashed a revolution in American energy. The United States is now the number one producer of oil and natural gas 
anywhere in the world. Awesome. Burning those fossil fuels. That's great for our environment. You know what would be really fucking impressive is if we led in clean energy. That would be awesome. And now, for the first time in 65 years, we are a net exporter of energy. Yay, we're exporting dirty energy to other people. After 24 months of rapid progress, our economy is the envy of the world. Our military is the most powerful on Earth by far. And America... America is again winning each and every day. Members of Congress, the state of our union is strong. Oh, it's always the strongest, the biggest, the best, the most beautiful. Bunch of jingoists. That sounds so good. <laughs> I think I might have came a little in my pants. And our economy is thriving like never before. On Friday, it was announced that we added another 304,000 jobs last month alone, almost double the number expected. And December's jobs were revised downward, so, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a net loss, or, you know, uh, you got to put it on the scan balance, but there's good, there's good jobs on both sides, I'm sure. An economic miracle is taking place in the United States, and the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous Partisan investigations. Oh, yeah. Don't don't look at that man behind the curtain. Never mind that man behind the curtain. We wanna we wanna investigate fucking Benghazi and Clinton's emails dozens and dozens of times, but don't look at any of the things that I'm doing. If there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. It just doesn't work that way. He's terrified. He's terrified. Be united at home to defeat our adversaries abroad. This new era of cooperation can start with finally confirming the more than 300 highly qualified nominees who are still stuck in the Senate, in some cases, years and years waiting. Not right. Who controls the Senate? Hmm, weird. That's really strange. Have they been stuck there for that long? And Republicans are in control of the Senate? 
Maybe you're an ineffectual shitbag? The Senate has failed to act on these nominations, which is unfair to the nominees and very unfair to our country. Now is the time for bipartisan action. Believe it or not, we have already proven that that's possible. In the last Congress, both parties came together to pass unprecedented legislation to confront the opioid crisis, a sweeping new farm bill, historic VA reforms, and after four decades of rejection, we passed VA accountability so that we can finally terminate those who mistreat our wonderful veterans. That you don't give two shits about, that you fuck over every chance you get. And just weeks ago, both parties united for groundbreaking criminal justice reform. They said it couldn't be done. Honestly, I don't know a whole lot about the criminal justice system that he's talking about. I haven't, I haven't read much about it yet. Last year, I heard through friends the story of Alice Johnson. I was deeply moved. So is my Johnson. In 1997, Alice was sentenced to life in prison as a first-time nonviolent drug offender. Over the next 22 years, she became a prison minister, inspiring others to choose a better path. She had a big impact on that prison population and far beyond. Alice's story underscores the disparities and unfairness that can exist in criminal sentencing. That do and exist. And the need to remedy this total injustice. She served almost oh my God, Jared that 22 years and had expected to be in prison for the remainder of her life. In June, I commuted Alice's sentence. When I saw Alice's beautiful family greet her at the prison gates, hugging and kissing and crying and laughing, I knew I did something right. Alice is with us tonight, and she is a terrific woman. I hope she gives him a bird. Terrific. Oh, Alice, please. She's crying. I'm glad she's out. And she should say, thanks, hey, I appreciate you doing that. Uh, go pick yourself. Alice, thank you for reminding us that we always have the power to shape our own destiny. Thank you very much, Alice. Thank you very much.
Inspired by stories like Alice's, my administration worked closely with members of both parties to sign the First Step Act into law. Big deal. Big deal. This legislation reformed sentencing laws that have wrongly and disproportionately harmed the African-American community. Good. The first glad step you act to gives that. nonviolent offenders the chance to re-enter society as productive, law-abiding citizens. Now, states across the country are following our lead. America is a nation that believes in redemption. We are also joined tonight by Matthew Charles from Tennessee. In 1996, at the age of 30, Matthew was sentenced to 35 years for selling drugs and related offenses. Over the next two decades, he completed more than 30 Bible studies, became a law clerk, and mentored many of his fellow inmates. Now Matthew is the very first person to be released from prison under the First Step Act. Thank you, Matthew. Welcome home. Now, Republicans and Democrats must join forces again to confront an urgent national crisis. Oh, here we go with the border wall. Congress has 10 days left to pass a bill that will fund our government protect our homeland, and secure our very dangerous southern border. Now is the time for Congress to show the world that America is committed to ending illegal immigration and putting the ruthless coyotes, cartels, drug dealers, and human traffickers out of business. That is not what this is about. This is about a stupid fucking campaign promise you made to your stupid fucking voters. You all, regular listeners of the show, know how we feel about this. This is fucking nonsense. As we speak, large, organized caravans are on the march to the United States. Organized caravans who have have nothing to their name. That Mexican cities, in order to remove the illegal immigrants from their communities, are getting trucks and buses to bring them up to our country in areas where there is little border protection. I have ordered another 3,750 troops to our southern border to prepare for this tremendous onslaught. Oh, my God. 
This is a moral issue. The lawless state of our southern border is a threat to the safety, security, and financial well-being of all America. We have a moral duty to create an immigration system that protects the lives and jobs of our citizens. This includes our obligation to the millions of immigrants living here today who followed the rules and respected our laws. Legal immigrants enrich our nation and strengthen our society in countless ways. Yeah, so why don't we let more people legally immigrate here? Make it easier for immigrants to come here. I want people to come into our country in the largest numbers ever, but they have to come in legally. And I'm going to make it impossible for them to come here legally. So really, I'm just talking out of my ass. But everybody knows that. Well, everybody who's who's not a sycophantic, you know, Trumpster who doesn't really know much about it, like they're dumber than I am. Tonight, I am asking you to defend our very dangerous southern border out of love and devotion to our fellow citizens and to our country. I'm going to appeal to your emotion. No issue better illustrates the divide between America's working class and America's political class than illegal immigration. Wealthy politicians and donors push for open borders while living their lives behind walls and gates and guards. Dude, you're describing yourself, you know. And your companies hire illegal immigrants. Meanwhile, working-class Americans are left to pay the price for mass illegal immigration. Reduced jobs, lower wages, overburdened schools, hospitals that are so crowded you can't get in, increased crime, and a depleted social safety net. Tolerance for illegal immigration is not compassionate it is actually very cruel. I feel like I missed something there. Sorry, I'm texting while I'm doing this. One in three is sexually assaulted on the long journey north. Smugglers use migrant children as human pawns to exploit our laws and gain access to our country. Human traffickers and sex traffickers take advantage of the wide open areas between our ports of entry to smuggle thousands of young girls and women into the United States and to sell them into prostitution and modern day slavery. Tens of thousands of innocent Americans are killed by lethal drugs that cross our border and flood into our cities. Yeah, through our ports of entry. Heroin, cocaine, and fentanyl. The savage gang, MS-13, 
now operates in at least 20 different American states. And they almost all come through our southern border. Yeah, through the ports. Just yesterday, an MS-13 gang member was taken into custody for a fatal shooting on a subway platform in New York City. We are removing these gang members by the thousands. But until we secure our border, they're going to keep streaming right back in. Year after year, countless Americans are murdered by criminal, illegal aliens. Fuck a wall, I want to moat with alligators and lasers on their freaking heads. And dads and families. No one should ever have to suffer the horrible heartache that they have had to endure. Here tonight is Deborah Bissell. Deborah Bissell. How about we talk about all of the families who have lost loved ones through gun violence? No, they don't want to talk about that. You can't touch that one. That one's that one's verboten. You can't. No, you can't talk about gun control. Just three weeks ago, Deborah's parents, Gerald and Sharon, were burglarized and shot to death in their Reno, Nevada home by an illegal alien. They were in their 80s and are survived by four children, 11 grandchildren, and 20 great-grandchildren. Yeah, that shit happens. It's unfortunate. It sucks. How many people were killed by American citizens in America? Also here tonight are Gerald and Sharon's granddaughter, Heather, and great-granddaughter, Madison, to Deborah Heather Madison, please stand. Few can understand your pain. Thank you, and thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you for being such lovely little pun in my twisted game of fuck the brown people. I really appreciate it. Marvelous. You did a big league job. I will never forget, and I will fight for the memory of Gerald and Sharon, that it should never happen again. Not one more American life should be lost because our nation failed to control its very dangerous border. Oh, my God. In the last two years, our brave ICE officers made 266,000 arrests of criminal aliens, including those charged or convicted of nearly 100,000 assaults, 30,000 sex crimes, and 4,000 killings or murders. We are joined tonight by one of those law enforcement heroes, ICE Special Agent Elvin Hernandez. When Elvin... Yay, Elvin. Give me a brown one. Can you get me a brown one? I want a brown ice agent. That'd be great, okay? When Elvin was a boy, 
He and his family legally immigrated to the United States from the Dominican Republic. At the age of eight, Elvin told his dad he wanted to become a special agent. Today, he leads investigations into the scourge of international sex trafficking. Elvin says that if I can make sure these young girls get their justice, I've really done my job. Thanks to his work and that of his incredible colleagues, more than 300 women and girls have been rescued from the horror, horror. of this terrible situation. And more than 1,500 sadistic traffickers have been put behind bars. He's making all of these problems. He, he's trying to make it sound like all of the problems in the United States are caused by illegal immigration. And that's just not the case. That's not how the world works. Thank you, Roger. We will always support the brave men and women of law enforcement. And I pledge to you tonight that I will never abolish our heroes from ICE. Thank you. Yeah, that was a pretty good subtle dig at the Democrats, the ones who want to abolish ICE. My administration has sent to Congress a common-sense proposal to end the crisis on the southern border. It includes humanitarian assistance, more law enforcement, drug detection at our ports, closing loopholes that enable child smuggling, and plans for a new physical barrier or wall to secure the vast areas between our ports of entry. In the past, most of the people in this room voted for a wall, but the proper wall never got built. I will get it built. Oh yeah, you're gonna build a wall all along the southern border? It's just, it's just physically impossible. And it's not going to be done by the time you exit the president. Strategic, see through steel barrier, not just a simple concrete wall. It will be deployed in the areas identified by the border agents as having the greatest need. And these agents will tell you where walls go up, illegal crossings go way, way down. San Diego used to have the most illegal border crossings in our country. In response, a strong security wall was put in place. This powerful barrier almost completely ended illegal crossings. The border city of El Paso, Texas, used to have extremely high rates of violent crime, one of the highest in the entire country and considered one of our nation's 
most dangerous cities. Now, immediately upon its building, with a powerful barrier in place, El Paso is one of the safest cities in our country. Simply put, walls work and walls save lives. Sometimes, I'll I'll talk over the applause. Sometimes he sounds like Moira from uh, Schitt's Creek. Anybody out there who watches that? One of my favorite shows. And sometimes the way he speaks, he sounds a lot like Moira. Let's work together, compromise, and reach a deal that will truly make America safe. As we work to defend our people's safety, we must also ensure our economic resurgence continues at a rapid pace. No one has benefited more from our thriving economy than women who have filled 58% of the newly created jobs last year. Thank you very much. All Americans can be proud that we have more women in the workforce than ever before. Don't sit yet. You're going to like this. And exactly one century after Congress passed the constitutional amendment giving women the right to vote, we also have more women serving in Congress than at any time before. Yeah, in the Democratic Party. In the Democrat Party, not in the Republican Party. I wonder why that is. Congratulations. That's great. As part of our commitment to improving opportunity for women everywhere, this Thursday, we are launching the first ever government-wide initiative focused on economic empowerment for women 
in developing countries. To build on... Thank you. To build on our incredible economic success, one priority is paramount. Reversing decades of calamitous trade policies. So bad. Calamitous trade policies. We are now making policies. it clear to China. I think you mean China. After years of targeting our industries and stealing our intellectual property, the theft of American jobs and wealth has come to an end. We're not going to take shit from no China anymore. Therefore, we recently imposed tariffs on $250 billion of Chinese goods, and now our Treasury is receiving billions and billions of dollars. But I don't blame China for taking advantage of us. I blame our leaders and representatives for allowing this travesty to happen. I have great respect for President Xi, and we are now working on a new trade deal with China. China. He has great respect for an authoritarian dictator. Awesome. But it must include real structural change to end unfair trade practices, reduce our chronic trade deficit, and protect American jobs. Another historic trade blunder was the catastrophe known as NAFTA. I have met the men and women of Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, New Hampshire, and many other states whose dreams were shattered by the signing of NAFTA. For years, politicians promised them they would renegotiate for a better deal. But no one ever tried until now. Because I'm the best. Our new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA, will replace NAFTA and deliver for American workers like they haven't had delivered to for a long time. (laughs) I hope you can pass the USMCA into law so that we can bring back our manufacturing jobs in even greater numbers expand American agriculture, protect intellectual property, and ensure that more cars are proudly stamped with our four beautiful words, made in the USA. Guys, I just got a picture of Wilbur Ross drooling all over himself. Tonight, I am also asking you to pass the United States Reciprocal Trade Act so that if another country places an unfair tariff on an American product, we can charge them the exact same tariff on the exact same product that they sell 
to us. If it's the exact same thing, why the fuck are we exchanging, importing and exporting that same? It'd be much more economically viable to just sell that same thing Both here, right? should be able yeah. to unite for a great rebuilding of America's crumbling infrastructure. You haven't done jack shit there yet, buddy. It'd be awesome if you did. I know that Congress is eager to pass an infrastructure bill, and I am eager to work with you on legislation to deliver new and important infrastructure investment, including investments in the cutting-edge industries of the future. This is not an option. This is a necessity. The next major priority for me and for all of us should be to lower the cost of health care and prescription drugs and to protect patients with pre-existing conditions. It's not something the Republicans were talking about before the Democrats were talking about it. Oh, there's sad Mitt Romney. So, so Already sad. as a result of my administration's efforts in 2018, drug prices experienced their single largest decline in 46 years. Not heard anything about that, so I can't fact check it. But Sorry. we must do more. It's unacceptable that Americans pay vastly more than people in other countries for the exact same drugs, often made in the exact same place. Because those other countries have socialized health care, you wrong. fucking idiot. This is unfair, and together, we will stop it. And we'll stop it fast. Yeah, how are you going to do that? I would love to hear your cockamamie plan about it. Matt's not here, so I'll say woohoo gold. <laughs> I am asking Congress to pass legislation that finally takes on the problem of global freeloading and delivers fairness and price transparency for American patients, finally. Finally. How are you going to do that? It, this is we all should so also fucking vague. drug companies, insurance companies, and hospitals to disclose real prices to foster competition and bring costs way down. Whoever wrote his speech is a really great rhetorician. It's, it's all vagueness and emotion. That's it. No force in history has done more to advance the human condition than American freedom. In recent years, In recent years, we have made remarkable progress in the fight against HIV and AIDS. Scientific breakthroughs have brought a once distant dream 
within reach. No thanks My to the Republican Party. Democrats and Republicans to make the needed commitment to eliminate the HIV epidemic in the United States within 10 years. We have made incredible strides. Incredible. Oh, you mean the epidemic that your party called, you know, the, the thing that is just going to kill off all of those gays that God hates anyway? Together we will defeat AIDS in America and beyond. Tonight I am also asking you to join me in another fight that all Americans can get behind the fight against childhood cancer. Yeah, it'd be great if we were able to use stem cells for research on things like that that the Bush administration and other Republican administrations have put on hold. Joining Melania in the gallery this evening is a very brave 10-year-old girl, Grace Eline. Every birthday... Oh, she's adorable. Hi, Grace. Every birthday since she was four, Grace asked her friends to donate to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. She did not know that one day she might be a patient herself. That's what happened. Last year, Grace was diagnosed with brain cancer. Immediately, she began radiation treatment. At the same time, she rallied her community and raised more than $40,000 for the fight against cancer. What kind of monster god gives brain cancer to children? When Grace completed treatment last fall, her doctors and nurses cheered. They loved her. They still love her. With tears in their eyes as she hung up a poster that read, Last Day of Chemo. Thank you very much, Grace. You are a great inspiration to everyone in this room. Thank you very much. Many childhood cancers have not seen new therapies in decades. My budget will ask Congress for $500 million over the next 10 years to fund this critical life-saving research to help support working parents. The time has come to pass school choice for Americans' children.
so now we can privatize our public school system as well. It's gonna be great. I am also proud to be the first president to include in my budget a plan for nationwide paid family leave so that every new parent has the chance to bond with their newborn child. That's something Democrats have been fighting for for a very, very long time. Great to see the Republicans getting on board with some social programs. There could be no greater contrast to the beautiful image of a mother holding her infant child than the chilling displays our nation saw in recent days. Lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb moments from birth. These are living, feeling, beautiful babies who will never get the chance to share their love and their dreams with the world. And then we had the case of the governor of Virginia where he stated he would execute a baby after birth to defend the dignity of every person. I am asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit the late term abortion of children who can feel pain in the mother's womb. How about you tell us what a late term abortion is in your mind? Let us work together to build a culture that cherishes innocent life. Yeah, like those immigrants who want to come. Oh, wait, no, not those people. Never mind, forget that I said that. For the people who are going to be affected by climate change. No, there is no such thing as climate change. Forget I said that also. And let us reaffirm a fundamental truth. All children, born and unborn, are made in the holy image of God, the final part. I guess God has brain cancer. My agenda is to protect American security. Over the last two years, we have begun to fully rebuild the United States military with $700 billion last year and $716 billion this year. We are also getting other nations to pay And a military that's already way overfunded. Finally. For years, the United States was being treated very unfairly by friends of ours, members of NATO. But now we have secured, over the last couple of years, more than $100 billion of increase in defense spending 
from our NATO allies. They said it couldn't be done. Who is they? As part of our military buildup, the United States is developing a state-of-the-art missile defense system. Under my administration, we will never apologize for advancing America's interests. For example, decades ago, the United States entered into a treaty with Russia in which we agreed to limit and reduce our missile capability. While Nuclear we followed capability, the agreement fucking the morons. to the letter, Russia repeatedly violated its terms. It's been going on for many years. That is why I announced that the United States is officially withdrawing from the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, or INF Treaty. Perhaps... Oh, that sounds like a great idea. How about we pass tougher sanctions on them? The sanctions that have been sitting on your fucking desk. We really have no choice. Yeah, you do have Perhaps a choice. Perhaps we can negotiate a different agreement, adding China and others. Or perhaps we can't. In which case, we will outspend and out all others by far. As part of a bold new diplomacy, we continue our historic push for peace on the Korean Peninsula. Our hostages have come home. Nuclear testing has stopped. No, it hasn't. And there has not been a missile launch in more than 15 months. If I had not been elected president of the United States, we would right oh, now, Jesus. in my opinion, be in a major war with North Korea. Oh, fuck you. Your opinion is shit, because you're a fucking moron. Much work remains to be done, but my relationship with Kim Jong-un is a good one. Chairman Kim and I will meet again on February 27th and 28th in Vietnam. He's another one of those authoritarian dictators that I just love, that I think is doing such an amazing, wonderful job. Two weeks job. ago, the United States officially recognized the legitimate government of Venezuela and its new president, Juan Guaido. We stand with the Venezuelan people in their noble quest for freedom, and we condemn the brutality of the Maduro regime, whose socialist policies have turned that nation from being the wealthiest in South America into a state of abject poverty and despair. Not because of the socialist policies, it's because of the authoritarian dictators. Here in the like United you, States, shitbag. 
We are alarmed by the new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination and control. We are born free and we will Unless it comes to, you know, people wanting to come here or what women want to do with their own bodies, then I want to be, I want to have as much government control over that as possible. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. Nobody's talking about turning America into a socialist country, fucking asshole. We're talking about having better social safety nets for people who need them. Caring about our fellow Americans. One of the most complex set of challenges we face and have for many years is in the Middle East. Our approach is based on principle realism. Where I let Saudi Arabia do whatever the fuck they want. That have failed for decades to yield progress. I let I let you know Middle East countries murder journalists because you know fake news. The true capital of Israel and proudly opened the American embassy in Jerusalem. Because we got to get ready for Jesus to come back. Our brave troops have now been fighting in the Middle East for almost 19 years. In Afghanistan and Iraq. I want to pause it here for just a second to talk about the whole Israel thing because it really fucking bothers me. Because Christians here in the United States say that they are all supportive of Israel. It's not because they love Jews, it's because they want the end of the world to come about. They want Jesus to return, and they know that that won't happen unless Jews are in control of that area and and get rid of all of the all of the other people there, so Jesus can come back and and reestablish his kingdom here on earth. They want the fucking apocalypse to come. That's why they support Israel, not because they love Jews, because they clearly don't love Jews. They're Christians. They think Jews killed Jesus, but they need the Jews to be in power for Jesus to come back. Correct. Nearly 7,000 American heroes have given their lives. More than 52,000 Americans have been badly wounded. We have spent more than $7 trillion in fighting wars in the Middle East. As a candidate for president, I loudly pledged a new approach. Great nations do not fight endless wars. They give up and pull their troops out. When I took office, ISIS controlled more than 20,000 square miles in Iraq and Syria. Just two years ago, 
Today, we have liberated virtually all of the territory from the grip of these bloodthirsty monsters. Now, as we work with our allies to destroy the remnants of ISIS, it is time to give our brave warriors in Syria a warm welcome home. I have also accelerated our negotiations to reach, if possible, a political settlement in Afghanistan. The opposing side is also very happy to be negotiating. Our troops have fought with unmatched valor, and thanks to their bravery, we are now able to pursue a possible political solution to this long and bloody conflict. I'm getting tired of listening to this fucker. I really hope he's close to being fucking done. We're an hour 13 into what was supposed to be the start of his speech. In Afghanistan, my administration is holding constructive talks with a number of Afghan groups, including the Taliban. As we make progress in these negotiations, we will be able to reduce our troops' presence and focus on counterterrorism, and we will indeed focus on counterterrorism. We do not know whether we'll achieve an agreement, but we do know that after two decades of war, the hour has come to at least try for peace, and the other side would like to do the same thing. It's time. The other side? You mean ISIS? What the fuck are you talking about? Above all, friend and foe alike must never doubt this nation's power and will to defend our people. Eighteen years ago, violent terrorists attacked the USS Cole. And last month, American forces killed one of the leaders of that attack. We are honored to be joined tonight by Tom Wibberley, whose son, Navy Seaman Craig Wibberley, was one of the 17 sailors we tragically lost. Tom, we vow to always remember the heroes of the USS Cole. Thank you, Tom. administration has acted decisively to confront the world's leading state sponsor of terror, the radical regime in Iran. It is a radical regime. They do bad, bad things. To ensure this corrupt 
Dictatorship never acquires nuclear weapons. I withdrew the United States from the disastrous Iran nuclear deal. put in place the toughest sanctions ever imposed by us on a country. We will not avert our eyes from a regime that chants death to America and threatens genocide against the Jewish people. never ignore the vile poison of anti-Semitism or those who spread its venomous creed. With one voice, we must confront this hatred anywhere and everywhere it occurs. Just months ago, 11 Jewish Americans were viciously murdered in an anti-Semitic attack on the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. SWAT officer Timothy Matson raced into the gunfire and was shot seven times chasing down the killer. And he was very successful. Timothy has just had his 12th surgery and he's going in for many more. But he made the trip to be here with us tonight. Officer Matson, please. Thank you. We are forever grateful. Thank you very much. Tonight, we are also joined by Pittsburgh survivor Judah Sabbat. He arrived at the synagogue as the massacre began. But not only did Judah narrowly escape death last fall, more than seven decades ago, he narrowly survived the Nazi concentration camps. Today is Judah's 81st birthday. But we're still not going to talk about gun control. You know, the one thing that maybe could have stopped this guy from even having the gun to shoot up all these people in the first place. <laughs> Happy 
Happy birthday to you! They wouldn't do that for me, Judah. <laughs> Judah no, says probably he can still remember the exact moment nearly 75 years ago, after 10 months in a concentration camp, when he and his family were put on a train and told they were going to another camp. Suddenly, the train screeched to a very strong halt. A soldier Jesus appeared. Jesus Christ. It's not Judah's just a halt, it's a strong halt. For the absolute worst. Then his father cried out with joy, it's the Americans, it's the Americans. Yay, Americans. Before Trump was in office. Yay. If I hadn't been elected president, they probably wouldn't have stopped the train. It wouldn't have been the Americans down there. Thank you. You don't know. A second Holocaust Perhaps survivor. Perhaps they would. Nobody knows for was sure. Was here tonight. Joshua Kaufman was a prisoner at Dachau. He remembers watching through a hole in the wall of a cattle car as American soldiers rolled in with tanks. To me, Joshua recalls, the American soldiers were proof that God exists and they came down from the sky. They came down from heaven. That God exists and allowed Jews to be enslaved and murdered by, by the million. Three soldiers who fought on D-Day in the Second World War. One of them was Herman Zajcik. But there is more to Herman's story. A year after he stormed the beaches of Normandy, Herman was one of the American soldiers who helped liberate Dachau. He was one of the Americans who helped rescue Joshua from that hell on earth. Almost 75 years later, Herman and Joshua are both together in the gallery tonight, seated side by side here in the home of American freedom. Herman and Joshua, your presence this evening is very much Appreciate it. Thank you very much. He had probably never heard of Dachau before he had to read it on his teleprompter for the speech. 
or prepare his speech in order to give it tonight. Thank you. When American soldiers set out beneath the dark skies over the English Channel in the early hours of D-Day, 1944, they were just young men of 18 and 19 hurtling on fragile landing craft toward the most momentous battle in the history of war. They did not know if they would survive the hour they did not know if they would grow old, but they knew that America had to prevail. Their cause was this nation and generations yet unborn. Why did they do it? They because did they it didn't America. get out with bone spares. They did it I don't for know. Us. Everything that has come since our triumph over communism, our giant leaps of science and discovery, our unrivaled progress towards equality and justice. All of it is possible thanks to the blood and tears and courage and vision of the Americans who came before. No thanks to God. Thank you. Thank think you. Thank you. Think of this capital. Think of this very chamber where lawmakers before you voted to end slavery, to build the railroads and the highways and defeat fascism, to secure civil rights. Only to have me come riding in on my stupid And to horse. face down evil empires. Here tonight, we have legislators from across this magnificent republic. You have come from the rocky shores of Maine and the volcanic peaks of Hawaii, from the snowy woods of Wisconsin and the red deserts of Arizona, from the green farms of Kentucky and the golden beaches of California. It's true, the world has a lot of colors. People Together, say that all the time. Together we represent the most extraordinary nation in all of history. What will we do with this moment? How will we be remembered? I ask the men and women of this Congress, look at the opportunities before us. Our most thrilling achievements are still ahead. Our most exciting journeys still await. Our biggest victories are still to come. Tim Kaine looks totally we bored. I think Bernie yet Sanders is asleep. Begun to dream. Oh no, he's scratching his nose. We must choose whether we are defined by our differences. Mike Lee looks like a shit Or whether we dare is. to transcend them. We must choose whether we squander our great inheritance or whether we proudly declare that we are Americans. We do the incredible. We defy the impossible. We conquer the unknown. Oh my God, he's wrapping up. This is this awesome. This is the time 
to reignite the American imagination. This is the time to search for the tallest summit and set our sights on the brightest star. This is the time to rekindle the bonds of love and loyalty and memory that link us together as citizens, as neighbors, as patriots. This is our future, our fate, and our choice to make. I am asking you to choose greatness. No matter the trials we face, no matter the challenges to come, we must go forward together. We must keep America first in our hearts. We must keep freedom alive in our souls. And we must always keep faith in America's destiny. That one nation, that manifest destiny, must be the hope and the promise and the light and the glory among all the nations of the world. One nation under God, you know, after the 1950s. And God bless America. Thank you. In the 1950s. Oh, my God, I'm so glad you're done. Yay. Yay. Honestly, though, that was that was a pretty good speech. Whoever wrote that speech was a was a brilliant rhetorician. That was that was great. Really, if you're if you're trying to get your point across, that was perfect. It was it was vague. It appealed to emotion. It was stirring. I'm glad that he didn't shit all over Democrats as much as apparently he wanted to from all of the early reports that I read earlier today. In all honesty, that that was a pretty decent speech. Donald Trump wrapping up his second state of the I'm going to pause this now, and then we'll skip ahead to Stacey Abrams' uh, response. Sorry, I should have paused that while I was still (laughs) before it was just the newscasters and everything chiming in and a bunch of applause. I'll pause this now and we'll come back for Stacey Abrams response. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL or Twitter the twatter at TGR podcast. Thank you. Okay, we're back. We're going to be listening to Stacey Abrams with the Democratic response to the President's State of the Union address. Good evening, my fellow Americans, and happy Lunar New Year. I'm Stacey Abrams, and I'm honored to join the conversation about the state of our union. Growing up, my family went back and forth between lower middle class and working class. Yet even when they came home weary and bone-tired, My parents found a way to show us all who we could be. My librarian mother taught us to love learning. My father, a shipyard worker, put in overtime and extra shifts, and they made sure we volunteered to help others. Later, they both became United Methodist ministers, an expression of the faith that guides us. These were our family values, faith, service, education, and responsibility. Now, we only had one car, so sometimes my dad had to hitchhike and walk long stretches during the 30-mile trip home from the shipyards. One rainy night, my mom got worried. We piled in the car and went out looking for him, and we eventually found my dad making his way along the road, soaked and shivering in his shirt sleeves. 
When he got in the car, my mom asked if he'd left his coat at work. He explained that he'd given it to a homeless man he'd met on the highway. When we asked why he'd given away his only jacket, my dad turned to us and said, I knew when I left that man, he'd still be alone. But I could give him my coat because I knew you were coming for me. Our power and strength as Americans lives in our hard work and our belief in more. My family understood firsthand that while success is not guaranteed, we live in a nation where opportunity is possible. But we do not succeed alone. In these United States, when times are tough, we can persevere because our friends and neighbors will come for us. Our first responders will come for us. It is this mantra, this uncommon grace of community that has driven me to become an attorney, a small business owner, a writer, and most recently, the Democratic nominee for governor of Georgia. Yay, and you My reason won. for running was simple. I love our country and its promise of opportunity for all. And I stand here tonight because I hold fast to my father's credo. Together, we are coming for America, for a better America. Just a few weeks ago, I joined volunteers to distribute meals to furloughed federal workers. They waited in line for a box of food and a sliver of hope since they hadn't received paychecks in weeks. Making livelihoods of our federal workers a pawn for political games is a disgrace. Here, here. The shutdown was a stunt engineered by the President of the United States, one that defied every tenet of fairness and abandoned not just our people, but our values. For seven years, I led the Democratic Party in the Georgia House of Representatives. I didn't always agree with the Republican speaker or governor, but I understood that our constituents didn't care about our political parties. They cared about their lives. So when we had to negotiate criminal justice reform or transportation or foster care improvements, the leaders of our state didn't shut down. We came together and we kept our word. It should be no different in our nation's capital. We may come from different sides of the political aisle, but our joint commitment to the ideals of this nation cannot be negotiable. Our most urgent work is to realize Americans' dreams of today and tomorrow, to carve a path to independence and prosperity that can last a lifetime. Children deserve an excellent education from cradle to career. We owe them safe schools and the highest standards, regardless of zip code. Yet this White House responds timidly while first graders practice active shooter drills and the price of higher education grows ever steeper. From now on, our leaders must be willing to tackle gun safety measures and face the crippling effect of educational loans, to support educators and invest what is necessary to unleash the power of America's greatest minds. In Georgia and around the country, people are striving for a middle class where a salary truly equals economic security. But instead, families' hopes are being crushed by Republican leadership that ignores real life or just doesn't understand it. Under the current administration, far too many hardworking Americans are falling behind, living paycheck uh -huh. to paycheck, yep. most without labor unions to protect them from even worse harm. 
The Republican tax bill rigged the system against working people. Uh-huh. Rather than bringing back jobs, plants are closing, layoffs are looming, and wages struggle to keep pace with the actual cost of living. We owe more to the millions of everyday folks who keep our economy running, like truck drivers forced to buy their own rigs, farmers caught in a trade war, small business owners in search of capital, and domestic workers serving without labor protections. Women and men who could thrive if only they had the support and freedom to do so. We know bipartisanship could craft a 21st century immigration plan, but this administration chooses to cage children and tear families apart. Compassionate treatment at the border is not the same as open borders. President Reagan understood this. President Obama understood this. Mm -hmm. Americans understand this. And Democrats stand ready to effectively secure our ports and borders. But we must all embrace that from agriculture to health care to entrepreneurship, America is made stronger by the presence of immigrants, not walls. And rather than suing to dismantle the Affordable Care Act, as Republican attorneys general have, our leaders must protect the progress we've made and commit to expanding health care and lowering costs for everyone. My father has battled prostate cancer for years. To help cover the cost, I found myself sinking deeper into debt. Because while you can defer some payments, you can't defer cancer treatment. In this great nation, Americans are skipping blood pressure pills, forced to choose between buying medicine or paying rent. Maternal mortality rates show that mothers, especially black mothers, risk death to give birth. And in 14 states, including my home state, where a majority want it, our leaders refuse to expand Medicaid, which could save rural hospitals, save economies, and save lives. We can do so much more. Take action on climate change. Defend individual liberties with fair-minded judges. But none of these ambitions are possible without the bedrock guarantee of our right to vote. Let's be clear. Voter suppression is real. Yep. From making it harder to register lost. and stay on the rolls, to moving and closing polling places, to rejecting lawful ballots, we can no longer ex- ignore these threats to democracy. While I acknowledge the results of the 2018 election here in Georgia, I did not, and we cannot, accept efforts to undermine our right to vote. Yeah. That's why I started a nonpartisan organization called Fair Fight to advocate for voting rights. This is the next battle for our democracy, one where all eligible citizens can have their say about the vision we want for our country. We must reject the cynicism that says allowing every eligible vote to be cast and counted is a power grab. Americans understand that these are the values our brave men and women in uniform and our veterans risk their lives to defend. The foundation of our moral leadership around the globe is free and fair elections, where voters pick their leaders, not where politicians pick their voters. In this time of division and crisis, we must come together and stand for and with one another. America has stumbled time and again on its quest towards justice and equality. 
But with each generation, we have revisited our fundamental truths, and where we falter, we make amends. We fought Jim Crow with the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, yet we continue to confront racism from our past and in our present, which is why we must hold everyone from the highest offices to our own families accountable for racist words and deeds and call racism what it is, wrong. America achieved a measure of reproductive justice in Roe v. Wade, but we must never forget it is immoral to allow politicians to harm women and families to advance a political agenda. We affirmed marriage yeah. equality, and yet the LGBTQ community remains under attack. Yep. So even as I am very disappointed by the president's approach to our problems, I still don't want him to fail. But we need him to tell the truth and to respect his duties and respect the extraordinary diversity that defines America. Our progress has always been found in the refuge, in the basic instinct of the American experiment, to do right by our people. And with a renewed commitment to social and economic justice, we will create a stronger America together. Because America wins by fighting for our shared values against all enemies, foreign and domestic. <laughs> that is who we are. And when we do so, never wavering, the state of our union will always be strong. Thank you, and may God bless the United States of America. Yeah. Thank you, and I wish you would cut out the religious bullshit when you finish your speech but that was that was good I, I really enjoyed her response and rebuttal that was awesome that'll wrap things up for the show this evening thank you all very much for listening hopefully some commentary um, amongst all of the bullshit and things that the orange cheeto was saying was beneficial to you made you like the state of the union a bit more uh if you have any other ideas for the show, please let us know. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, next week we will have Tiffany Hudson, president of Atheists of Utah, in studio with us. Uh, and Nick Fish will be on the following week. He had to reschedule because he wanted to watch the State of the Union. So, And then next week he's going to be traveling back from Arizona. So we're going to look forward to hearing all about his trip there, about the American Atheist Convention coming up, and about all of the legal battles that American Atheists is currently fighting for all of us and all of the Christians, for basically for everybody, because we don't want to live in a theocracy. Nobody should want to live in a theocracy except those from maybe uh, whom the theocracy could possibly be a benefit. But then it's OK, well, which brand of whatever religion? It's it's fucking nonsense. Anyway, that'll be a lot of fun. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you all next week.